0: This is the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by Bett Rivers. Download the Bett Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Richard Deitch with us. And I know, Richard, it's Tuesday. And I know the Major League Baseball playoffs start. But we're only a week away from the start of the National Hockey League season. And we have to do a show that actually stands up for more than three hours. You can't be, t- you can't be doing a preview of the Jays game and people download the podcast at the 8 o'clock tonight and the Jays game over and we look like idiots.
1: If Bob was here, John, he would be so disgusted by your booking of hockey during the yeah. NBA playoffs.
0: We will get we, listen, we tried to do baseball yesterday with Verk. You know we got derailed, but we tried to do baseball with Verk, and I think we did okay.
1: Yeah, but you are correct. We we talk about the Blue Jays today and it would it would it would be out of date by eight o'clock. So I hear you.
0: so if anybody wants it, we'll probably do a a separate close or a separate open, and we can just say too bad the Jays won or too bad the Jays lost. I mean, we can, and then you can take your, it's one of those virtual things where you can actually pick the, the closing to the movie yourself, right?
1: Uh, yeah, choose your own adventure. I like it.
0: All right, so hockey season uh, underway in the preseason style. The regular season starts next week. And we continue after this with Kevin Weeks of ESPN on the McCowan podcast.
2: Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP, because you'll earn both loyalty-level points and bonus store points on every real-money wager you make. You must be 19+, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600, or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. Richard Deitch in this week uh, for Bob. Uh, and seven days from now, the National Hockey League regular season starts. God, preseason is just too long anyway. It's awful, particularly when there's such compelling sports going on with Major League Baseball playoffs, the National Football League, the CFL. Uh, it's a great time of year, so it's it's tough to get into focus of the, uh, the preseason or the exhibition season in the National Hockey League. We're joined by ESPN's Kevin Weeks to give us a little bit of a preview of what to expect for the NHL season. Kevin, is there anything so far that has struck your fancy other than Connor Bedard? You can't mention Connor Bedard. You got to do something else. (laughs) Oh
3: my gosh, how much time do we have,
0: guys? Uh, how much we time do we have? Infinite, infinite time. There's infinite no, yeah, you know, I can't even get fired for going long today. So.
3: <laughs> Nor you don't have to fire anybody else for going long either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. I, I would say I'm going to start out west since we were just visiting family out in Alberta, all across Alberta. So I'll start out west. Uh, I think it'll be really intriguing in the Western Conference because I think the biggest Golden Knights came through that Stanley Cup final win relatively unscathed in terms of any serious injury in terms of losing a lot of key personnel yes they traded Riley Smith to Pittsburgh we'll get into that a little bit but overall they pretty much have their same core intact they're healthy they went the distance they literally did exactly what their owner said cup and six they won in six so now they've established the way they want to play under Bruce Cassidy I think he helped take that team to another level They're a two-way team. They're not just offensive. They defend very well. They're balanced. They got timely, really good goaltending all year. They went through five goalies. Can you imagine football, a team going through five quarterbacks and winning the Grey Cup or winning the Super Bowl or winning the Rose Bowl? I've never seen that happen before. It's unprecedented. So I think Vegas is still on the leaderboard in the West for me. I'd be curious to see what happens in Colorado. They made some new acquisitions. uh, now, in the case of Nate McKinnon, he's reunited with his good buddy from that he played in the Quebec League with, and Jonathan Drouin, who's going to get another opportunity and uh, be kind of shoulder-to-shoulder with his good buddy going back to junior. I think they're going to have a bounce-back year pending their health. I don't think they're as good as the cup team that won two years ago, but I do think they're better, a better version than what we saw from them last year. Aside from that, guys, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, we got to look at the Oilers. The Oilers were really, to me, they were really close. They're knocking on the door. They've become a little bit more of a complete team. Yes, we know last year they had the best power play of all time, which is crazy considering all the greats that played in Edmonton and all the great teams that they've had. But I think they've rounded into being a more complete team, and they should take another step in that progression this year. Lastly, and not that I'm eliminating anybody from the Western Conference, but just top of mind, what happens in my wife's hometown of Calgary? What happens with the Flames? Last year, the Flames were a little bit extinguished or they were on low on the burner. Nazem Kadri came in. He was awesome in Colorado. I know he has more to give. I talked to him about it more in the offseason. He'll be better acclimated and more comfortable playing in Calgary this year. And to me, they just had other players that underperformed, like Jonathan Huberdo, who we know is an outstanding offensive player. And Jacob Markstrom, who really is a top seven goalie in the league, last year, by his own standard, played well beneath that standard as well. And they get a new coach behind the bench. So I'm very curious to see what that Western conference looks like. I wanted to start out West because there's no East coast bias here.
0: Oh
1: yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. You're ever the diplomat, Richard, this guy, ever the diplomat, Richard.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so let's head East. I have no problems going with East coast bias. Um, <laughs> the, I lived in Buffalo for six years. So I, yes. I have fondness for that city. Um, it um, it really bleeds at sports teams it's they've been snake bitten both in football and hockey for quite some time but the sabers are interesting to me because like there's always a team or there are a couple teams i should say in every sport which feel like kind of the buzz team or the team on the come and it feels like buffalo at least when you read a lot of like overviews for the nhl this year they're kind of a little bit of a like this is their time kind of to make the playoffs kind of team you know, Ross Stalin and Tage Thompson, Owen Power—they, they, you know—they have a young team, Kevin. That really looks like it's about to take the next step. Are you, you know, to use the sports talk cliche? Are you buying the Sabres this year?
3: I'm buying them. The, you know, growing up in Toronto, I've always had an affinity for Buffalo too. Spent a lot of time there. Had buddies that played there over the years. Have guys that play and live there now. I am buying them. I am bullish on Buffalo. I am hmm. bullish on Buffalo. Now my one thing I will say about Buffalo that could be not a point of concern, but needs to be a point of emphasis for their group. Yes, we can attack. Yes, we can make plays. Yes. We're pretty dynamic. Yes. We're fun to watch. But at the end of the day, we've got to be able to lock it down defensively when need be either at even strength or on the poundly kill. And for all the, I, I'm kind of getting some goosebumps and breaking this down because for all the amazing plays that are going to bring you out of your seat on the offensive zone, you need to see somebody making some of those similar plays on the defensive zone, blocking a shot, getting a key interception of a pass, or deflecting a pass from Sidney Crosby over to uh, intended over to Malkin, gapping up on Eric Carlson or Chris Letang on the penalty kill. Those are the types of things that are going to round this team out and give them the insulation game to game to complement their offensive game and put them in a point in a position rather. To win games and get into the playoffs, that's the key for me. In speaking to people but, in their group, but
0: at whose expense, Kevin? At whose expense? I mean, you know, people in Detroit are going to listen to this and say, "Well, hold on, we're better." People in Ottawa <laughs> are, are going to say, "You know what? We're better."
3: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, the Boston Bruins aren't going to fall off the face of the earth. Fair. Uh, so, so where, where can, where can the Sabers? find a way to squeeze into one of those top eight spots because the East is going to be so competitive. So, I mean, they, they, they could actually be much better than last year. And I know Mm -hmm. they were only one point out of the playoffs, but they could be, they could be better and still miss.
3: They could be, or they could be better and still get it. Like look at the Florida Panthers last year, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Panthers last year coming off the amazing season the year before they were just trying to find their footing. Obviously, the coaching changed. My man, Andrew Burnett, did a great job there under tough circumstances. My other man, Paul Maurice, goes in there. He does a really good job. And it really came down, as you remember, we talked about this here on your pod, it came down to the stretch, specifically when they played against Toronto, if you remember that game. And then everything that kind of went with that in the radio interview with Keith Kachuk and the whole thing. And it just seemed to just give that team a little bit of a jolt. They got some great goaltending performances down the stretch, especially Alex Lyon ended up coming in uh, and <laughs> not good enough out. to keep
0: Alex Lyon a job. He's no. playing in Detroit now.
3: I know, I know, but, hey, but he's got the opportunity though, but at least he's getting a little, he might get a little more of a solid NHL opportunity to put it that way. But in saying that, that team, the Panthers found their gear down the stretch. There's no reason for me to believe that the Buffalo Sabres aren't a more offensive team than that Panthers team last year. And for Buffalo, especially with Devin Levi coming in, who I've been a big fan of pre-World Juniors, mm-hmm. speaking to his coach at the time, John Goyens. Think about this, guys. If you think of all the World Junior teams, and somebody on this Zoom has covered World Juniors for the last 87 years, let's say. I know I'm exaggerating. I won't say who. The person's wearing a blue shirt. But all of that to say, if you think of all those amazing goaltending performances we've seen from Team Canada over the years, Right. Devin Levi, Jamie Storr, Roberto Luongo, Stephanie. Price, Carey Price, Manny Legacy, all the guys that have literally stood on their heads in the net for Team Can over the years. Devin Levi did that while he was playing Tier 2, mm. Tier 2 Jr. That's unheard of, unprecedented. And what he did at Northeastern in college hockey was also almost unprecedented. And the way he assimilated last year coming to the NHL, small sample size. So I think if he plays the way He's shown us that he can play, and Buffalo defends. I'm going to say Buffalo gets in. I'm I'm not sure at whose expense it's going to be, yeah. but I'm going to say Buffalo gets in.
0: Okay, you you, 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 you I was going to save this for later on, but you you brought it up because mm. all you've done is basically is just mentioned goaltenders. Um, and I, and I'm going to do the reverse question. Okay. The reverse question is because every every prognostication right now is saying well. The goalie has to be good. Well, the goalie has to be good. Go through 32 teams. The goalie has to be good. Give me the teams, because I don't think there are very many. Give mm-hmm. me the teams mm-hmm. that the goaltending is a lock.
3: Islanders, Sorokin. Right? Rangers, Shisturkin.
0: Right. And I think... I Austin.
3: Boston no
0: I see I, I All Mark I, I, and Swayman you really after that playoff performance oh market
3: yeah I'm still I'm still on them I'm still with them
0: okay then I'm, I'm gonna still. give you I think there's only one more team in the whole league
3: talk to me Dallas Dallas Jay Cottinger. Yeah, yeah I agree but but I think there are 28
0: teams that have their fingers and toes crossed I, I, I mean I think that you know you talked yeah. about uh, you talked about in the West about uh, you know Connor and Leon yeah and Jack Campbell's had a great camp. Yeah, was yes. great again in Seattle last night.
3: Last night he was awesome, yeah. Uh
0: but every other team, you know, Jonas Carposalo signed the big deal in Ottawa, but mm-hmm. they gotta hope, I mean, and a long-term deal in Ottawa. True. And, you know, they gotta hope he's gonna live up to expectation. It there aren't many teams that can are gonna skate into next week and say, we have no issues in goal. <laughs> we have no problems, and and I, and I just I I actually yeah. think there are only three because yeah. I'm not convinced. Linus allmark, awesome. yeah, I'm not be, just because of the playoffs last year, you know, just because yeah. of the letdown.
3: Yeah, no, those those are fair points. I I I, I love Boston's 10. I think the biggest thing now is Andre Vasilevsky. Just coming off a of surgery, back surgery. Which I broke last week from our great grandpa's. Uh, yeah, you, you
0: broke it. I could only see the. I could only see your eyeballs. I don't know. So you got to explain that at That's one it. point. You're doing the Kilroy <laughs> thing. What is that?
3: First Come on. of all, I was trying to be respectful of him. He's 98, and we were at a seniors' <laughs> home in Olds, right? We, we went to Olds, Alberta. We drove to Olds that day, so I was trying to be really respectful and try to keep a low profile there. Uh, but all that to say, hold no. on,
0: Kevin Weeks. There are two things that don't go hand in hand. Kevin Weeks and Low Profile. Okay? <laughs> Let's get that straight. So, anyway. <laughs> so,
3: so, what does
0: what, what Tampa do, though?
3: What does so Tampa, Tampa do? Listen, I checked in with Tampa, some some of Tampa's folks. Basically, they're they're playing it as it goes, is my wow. understanding. They're going to play it as it goes. They believe that their team, no, not albeit as good as their team that won the Cups. Okay? Uh, because you're missing Ryan McDonough, who's an assistant goalie, who yeah. stops eight, he blocks eight to ten shots a game, let's say. Plus he'll deflect some up into the netting. So let's put it at around eight to ten. They're missing him. However, they believe that because they know how to defend, because they've committed to defending, that they're not necessarily going to be as overexposed as people think they are. I'm gonna I'm here to tell you this. I've got their first game along with John Bucci-Gross and Ryan Callahan on ESPN, first game of the season uh next week. 5.30 Eastern start. Blatant I'm very... I'm <laughs> hey, hey, just saying, I'm very, I'm very curious to see what they're going to look like without Vassie, because Vasilevsky to this point, has been on par with the elite goalies in NHL history to this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the great Patrick Waugh, whether it's the great Grand Führer, the great Marty Brodeur, you we can go on and on. Um, he's on that pace right now. And without him being back there, are they going to play the same style? Can they be on their toes offensively? Can they make the extra play or half a play to generate offense that they would, knowing that the big cat's back there? Question mark. That's a really, really intriguing storyline down in Tampa. They're going to try to see what they have in these guys. Truth be told, I thought they were going to sign Yaroslav Halak. I thought they were going to sign Yero Halak. I'm not saying he's the only goalie that would have been available, but given the fact that he's unsigned, he's had an excellent career. He's still, he was still playing. I watched him play last year for the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. He can still play. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is you don't have to give up an asset to get him. He's unsigned. So I thought they were going to make a play for him, but as I'm told, they're going to try and wait it out and see how it goes. So that's really curious for me.
1: Kevin, um, you know, it's very, it's, it's so hard to evaluate the Bruins to me because like mm-hmm. last year, you know, for such a stretch, people are talking about them as an all-time team, like the greatest team of all time, whether yeah. that was hyperbole or not, whatever, like the numbers were there. We're only whatever, five months, four months removed from that conversation. And now there's a lot of question marks, you know, Bergeron is gone, Taylor Hall is gone and Krejci has gone. Um, and so I can't remember a team almost I'm not even sure in any sport that like went from arguably like the conversation of greatest te- possibly greatest team ever to a team now that while I think maybe people are picking to make the playoffs, no one is kicking around the notion of, you know, this is the 1978 Montreal Canadiens. It's like really, that, it's like, a, it's a very fascinating thing with the Bruins is that how perception has changed in literally four months.
3: That's spot on. That is spot on. And I'm telling you, everybody on the causeway there in, in Boston, when that ended the way it did, it was absolutely catastrophic. I know a lot of people in that organization. I played with a lot of people. I speak to a lot of people in that organization. They literally did a post-mortem for the last five or six months. Since, since they were eliminated by the Panthers, they've been doing this post-mortem. And to your point, you're losing all that key personnel. You lose a great Patrice Bergeron, an outstanding point per game guy, essentially, but the best lockdown center we may have seen since I don't know, maybe he Carpin. In terms of the defensive side, killing penalties, matchup game, you name it. And then he could still go and score points at the other end, mm-hmm. offensively. David Krejci, who I think is a very underrated, very gifted playmaker he's gone. Taylor Hall still has speed. At times, he doesn't really play to his level, but a, a very good complementary offensive player. So now what does this team look like? And not to mention that Chara's is retired as well. So those are four different key elements of this group that are gone. The, plus the weight of the expectations of last year, plus the yeah. weight of the disappointment of last year. Yeah. So to me, if I, what I'm looking to see from the Boston Bruins is what's their style of play this year? What's their style of game? Do they try to basically have a Xerox copy of the style that they played last year, in light of missing some of that personnel, or do they try to reinvent themselves and become a little bit quicker? Try to play a little bit more of an up-tempo offensive game. Those are all question marks for me. I'm very curious to see what happens at the TD Garden in Boston this year.
0: But they still have a you, 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 they still have a great defense. When you think no question you now, Charlie McAvoy. Love him, you know. He, you know what's his health going to be, right? Um, but Hampus Lindholm, Money. who is who's a warrior, doesn't Money. and 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 is and is finally getting recognition of being a great defender because you know there was Western bias and he never had a chance to be recognized in Anaheim, right? Um, they're they're still pretty good that way. Um, the question the question becomes is can their forward unit? Yeah. I mean, losing your top two centers is, is what I mean. Can Charlie Coyle be a difference maker now? That's it. That's a big challenge for Charlie Coyle who, who finally got comfortable yes. in the number three slot. Right. Finally that's got exactly. comfortable where he was supposed to be slotted. Right. So, uh, and and now here, here's the other thing you've mm-hmm. been around this game a long time. Mm-hmm. It means you're old. Um, <laughs> could you ever imagine Brad Marchand oh, yeah. being a captain? <laughs>
3: Oh, gosh. It's so funny. It's so ironic because I never could prior to maybe the last year and a half-ish, and I'm going to tell you why. He, because he's a, hear me out, shift disruptor (laughs) on the ice, because he's a shift disruptor. This guy came in the league as that. And to his credit, he he only played on the penalty kill. He even hardly had even strike minutes. Right. For what he's developed into as a player is beyond a head and testament to him. Here's a part of the Brad Marchand, two parts. Number one, the extra antics he was doing when he had literally surpassed that role a long time ago in the rearview mirror. That was part of the frustration. It's like, Marchie, you're such a good player. Why? You don't need to lick Callie's face. You don't need to do all these antics. You don't need to do all the WWE stuff because you become a... And to bookend that, both him and Patrice Bergeron in any international competition, Sidney Crosby had and wanted them on his line. Mm -hmm. So when you get the endorsement from Sid plus Bergeron, who was already his teammate, that is the ultimate, the ultimate cosign that you can get. And not to mention... Skating with Sid in the off-seasons a lot of times as well. I think the combination of Bergie having a lot of those traits and seeing Bergeron every day, but you see him every day, so maybe it, then being around Sidney Crosby, then them skating together, I think a lot of that finally started rubbing off on him in this last while specifically. Um, I would certainly put it the last year plus. But prior to that, there's no way I could have seen him being the captain, not because of his lack of intensity, skill, production, anything. But just because of the antics, I couldn't see that. And now it looks like to this point, for the last little while, again, call it a year, year and a half, he seemed to have forgotten all of that and and become very comfortable with what he's become.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and that's really important to their group for a whole host of reasons, especially to your point with him now wearing the captaincy, which we would have thought was unthinkable before
0: I just, I wonder, I wonder how, I don't think to to Richard's point, I just don't think they're ever going to get back to that level that we saw last year during the regular season. I agree. Uh, And, 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 you know, we were, and and we were a year ago, we were all saying that there were two teams in the East that were going to take the gigantic fall, (laughs) the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. Well, we were 50% right.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. You nobody's
0: know. take nobody's nobody's gonna say the Bruins aren't any good anymore because everybody was embarrassed last year by picking them to be out of the playoffs.
3: So 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 here's a, here's the point. Here's a point on the B's, right? To that. What'll be very important for them this year is not necessarily measuring themselves this year against what they did last year. Because last year is the first time they've done that in 90 plus years. Yeah. Right, like that. That was an anomaly. It was inc- it was incredibly impressive. It was record setting. It was history making, and all the rest of it. I think this year the expectation, and I'm I'm curious to see where this is. The expectation can't be well. This is what we did last year. We were at this pace this time in November. We were at this pace this time in January. We were at this pace in February. I think they really need to wipe the slate clean, and be very focused, which I'm told is part of their their approach in training camp. Be very focused on the group that's here and what this 23, 24 version of the Boston Bruins is and is capable of becoming. That's very important because I'm telling you the post-mortem going through those offices at the practice, at the practice facility and at the garden last year, this past off season Mm -hmm. was bonkers. It literally was forensic and that started at the top all the way down. So, they need to get a, a bit of a detox, drink some sage, do whatever, get some green tea, some bush tea, do whatever, light some incense, and, and clear, the, clear the spirits. Appreciate last year for what it was and, and on their way for this 23-24 season.
1: I am uh, sure at some point we'll get to the Maple Leafs in this uh, podcast, but I want to ask you one question um, mm-hmm. that's off the ice. It, Anything. It, it's that's something John and, I, uh, John and I have discussed on podcasts before. Uh The Fabcock situation was really interesting in that it, um, to me, highlighted the increasing player empowerment, if you want to call it that, in the NHL. It also was obviously a discussion about, like, I don't know, old school tactics versus new school players and et cetera. And then you also have the other element of the reason this came out was because of a very popular podcast and a very popular podcast host who made this public she so had a lot of things kevin that were very the sort of new to the league you know in player empowerment growing um old school versus new school and then the fact that it was disseminated through a podcast as opposed to mm-hmm. anything else do you see that as something larger than than a singular story about a team like is it is this something that is big big in terms of nhl wide or is it just this is isolated it's mike babcock it's columbus and you got to take it for what it is. I I was curious how you saw it.
3: Well, that's that's major and, and I would say I see it as something big. And I'll say why. Depending on where you fall and where your birth certificate is in terms of age, you know, there's different eras, there's different approaches, there's different thought processes. I just happen to be one of those guys that's kind of in a weird zone because I came up I was brought up, I was raised in a lot of ways old school. And, you know, being 48 now, I was able to play for and play with a lot of people and work with and for a lot of people uh, and and have parents in a lot of ways that were like that as well, with a lot of old school values, old school beliefs, old school principles. And quite frankly, a lot of those have served me exceptionally well to this point. The one thing is though, you always have to dance in a sense to the music that's being played. And the music that's being played in, in the world in which we live in today People are different. Technology is different. Understanding of technology is different. Mm -hmm. Um, That creates some different rules. Young athletes are different as well within that. Young people are different within that. And now the music that's being played is certainly different than it was for me in the early 90s, mid 90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s. All of that to say, I think there were the best intentions from the Jackets in hiring Mike Babcock. I didn't necessarily see them hiring him. My thought was that they were going to hire either Patrick Waugh or they're going to hire my man Andrew Burnett. That's where I thought it was going. But as you know, these things ebb and flow, they ended up hiring Babs. And there were some relationships there that were pre existing that led to them hiring him and some belief. The challenge is you need to basically have, if you're not contemporary enough in your thinking and your approach, you need to have buffers. You need to have people that can kind of concierge and massage the old school and the new school because I don't think it has to be all one or the other, right? I don't think one versus the other is what's better. and But I think you need somebody and, and some people in your organization in key roles from your player personnel, from your coaching staff, from your management that can really and bridge bridge the gap between the two. And I'm not suggesting that they didn't have that in Columbus per se, nor am I saying that they didn't have that, but I think this should be a lesson learned for them and for every other team to be able to have those concierge folks in the organization, even in your player group, like think of a guy like Nick Felino in Chicago. That's a big reason why they brought Nick Felino to Chicago Blackhawks with Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. I remember watching his dad Mike. I remember going to the Gardens with my dad, Maple Leaf Gardens, and watching Mike Foligno. I could see it as clear as day with his Northland helmet that looked like a half a half a grapefruit on his head, right? Mm-hmm. But he came up in that. But he also can now, you know, kind of go back and forth and then back and okay, Connor, I got you, man, whatever, you're coming over to the house, you're going to play mini sticks with the kids, I'm going to take you to dinner, let me know how you're feeling. I think teams and organizations in general need more of that, because there's like a gap, a culture gap between those two. And that's where uh, these types of instances could happen. And if they have that, I think you'll see less of these type of instances going forward.
0: Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it that's a fascinating story. And uh, you have to think that the ripple effect of what the jackets went through with Babcock mm-hmm. has uh, has created, you know, secondary meetings, emails, discussion oh, yeah. points between management and their coaching staffs of how to how to talk to younger players. Not and 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 the, the biggest difference is because um, Boone Jenner, Boone Jenner did what he thought was the right thing in coming to Mike right. Babcock's defense, mm-hmm. and yet in the end. Boone ends up with a little bit of egg on his face because it was the guys 10 years younger than him that objected. And it was the generation past him that objected. Uh, It's a a fascinating um, study. Uh, You'd have to think there's study. And all on top of this is that we ended up with a coach in Columbus that really hadn't changed his ways. Correct. And didn't understand... That even you know, even though there's technology, even though there's you know different ways to ask things, that you still can't talk to players that way. You just can't, for sure. And hopefully, n- not necessarily for his, his coaching career because I think it's done. But hopefully for his lifestyle, mm. Mike Babcock has learned something. I'm not convinced he has, honestly. Mm, right, I'm not convinced right. he has. Sure. Um, but but hopefully, uh, what he's gone through it will be something that the other. 32 coaches and, and coaches in the future we'll uh, will have, will have learned from. We are going to get to Richard Deitch's Toronto Maple Leafs because, <laughs> now, heaven forbid, we don't talk about the Maple oh, Leafs. God. And we're going to talk about that young guy wearing 98 in Chicago yeah. when we continue with Kevin Weeks on the McAllen podcast with Richard Deitch and John Shannon after this. Welcome back to the McCowan podcast. Kevin Weeks of ESPN, kind enough to join Richard and me. Okay. You get to choose. Maple Leafs or Bedard? Maple Leafs or Bedard? Which one fascinates you the most? Richard?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, the Maple Leafs are far more interesting to me, obviously, just given where I live. Uh, we're going to have like 20 years to talk about Bedard. So let's, like, yeah, let's go. Let's start with let's start with Maple Leafs.
3: oh gosh okay so
1: so you got Austin
0: Matthews is now killing penalties is that a controversy is that a good thing
3: (laughs) I don't think it's a controversy I think it's he's become a a much more well-rounded player contrary to what a lot of people think I like the way he's rounded out his game perhaps they feel like this will give him another dimension and also uh, have him playing different minutes to add that dimension to his game so what do I mean by that? Well, hey, if he's killing penalties, he's out there as one of the best offensive players in the world, and Austin Matthews, certainly one of the best goal scorers, if not the best, pure shooter. Well, now he's out on a penalty kill, and now he's at, he has to defend against Cole Caulfield and uh, Nick Suzuki. Or now he has to defend against Sid. Oh, no, Gino has it. Oh, sorry, now it's gone up to Latang. Sorry, it's over to Eric Carlson. Now he has to defend against them on the penalty kill. My only one worry... Uh, Where that's concerned is any shot blocking. And we know he's had some injury issues with his hands, with his wrists and stuff. So the blocking of any shots, or uh, maybe it's a desperation play along the boards. He's trying to close the gap on one of the offensive players on the penalty on the power play, excuse me. And he jams his wrist on the boards. I just think when you're playing penalty kill minutes, those are hard. Those are the hardest minutes to play Mm -hmm. The hard, No question at every position. They're the most demanding. Uh, they're the most taxing physically, for sure, let alone mentally, because you're trying to process the game being one or two short. That's my one thing that that I'm curious to see and I would be holding my breath for is heaven forbid he takes a one-timer. Uh, somebody unleashes a, a one-timer and it catches him in the wrist or the hand. That's my one worry. I, I know this might sound crazy because I'm a gear guy, like equipment guy. Maybe he even changes his gloves when he's penalty killing. honestly. Like maybe he plays with gloves that have the cuffs are a little bit longer. and maybe... You sound like grapes. What are you doing? You <laughs> sound like grapes. <laughs> I just said, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong in that respect.
2: <laughs> it's, it's true.
3: <laughs> maybe he puts on the heavier gloves that have more uh, HD foam and some more Kevlar in them when he's killing the penalty because those hands that he has, those are surgeons hands, so to speak. And there's a lot of financial weight and investment in those skilled hands of Austin Matthews. So those are my thoughts on that. Are they the best team in the in the Atlantic? Yeah. They are. It
0: wasn't, that wasn't a ringing endorsement. You know.
3: Here's why. Here, here, here's why. Here's why. They are the best team in the Atlantic in terms of, you know, they can win games. They're, they're going to beat you four or whatever. They can beat you 5-2. They're super skilled. They're very dynamic. They're fun to watch. But as I said in my conversations with with their president of Hockey Ops, Shani, who was my teammate twice, who've done a really good job of assembling the talent. But as I said to him, Shanny, we played against your 2002 Detroit Red Wing team. You guys beat us in the Stanley Cup. You guys didn't only have 10 or whatever Hall of Famers, including yourself. You guys could win games any way you wanted it. Anyway, Chris Draper will give it to you. Marty Lapointe's gonna give it to you. Darren McCarty's gonna give it to you. Kirk Malpy's gonna give it to you. I can go up and down the list. Forget Shanny, Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille in a third line role there. Lariana Fedorov, Iserman, Lidstrom, Hashik. Forget even those guys. But these other players were able to be intense, physical. Some of them could fight. They could score. They could make a play. They could block shots. They could do a lot of the unsavory stuff, and then sprinkle in a little bit of the a little bit of the high end high-octane stuff as well. That's what I need to see from the Leafs for me to give you that convincing grade. Yes, they're the best regular season team for sure, but that's what they need more of, which is why they went out and acquired some of these guys in the offseason.
0: Well, and you know, a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, Max yes. Doming, you know, yes. this is... We're, we're, we're we are now going to witness another 82-game preseason for the Toronto Maple
3: Leafs. Correct. <laughs> you know exactly. That. And and <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys go down to Lake Ontario and... I don't mean up there in Oakville in the high rent districts where you guys are, but if you go a little bit, (laughs) Oh, stop it. If you go a little further South down to QEW, and just take a look there at Harbor front. You're going to see an aircraft carrier with the last name Reeves on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an aircraft carrier. (laughs) It's not a battleship, but it's an aircraft carrier. And I'm telling you, I believe whether they play him every night, some nights, certain nights, I've known Ryan Reeves a long time. He's a proud guy. His teammates love him. He's a pro's pro. Uh, he's pro stock, obviously his dad with his you know, incredible football career. He's a guy that's going to have a lot of those guys, not saying and that's Domi won't. But those types of players are going to allow some of these guys for the Leafs to breathe much easier. And opposing teams aren't necessarily going to be taking liberties with a Mitch Marner nor an Austin Matthews. yeah, I think it's going to give them some more room to make some plays, quite frankly
1: you you know what the one thing that, um... I mean, listen. Everything Toronto's, you know, conversation with this, these guys. But mm-hmm. the one thing where I think it's like it actually is an interesting discussion, and there should be concern is the defense. Is the question is is like, is that, you know? Again, it's just like one person's opinion. Subjectively, that doesn't look like a Stanley Cup winning defensive core to me. That said, there's a couple guys on there. I'm not really sure exactly what they. McCabe has won. I don't know what to expect from him this year um Brody's been great but he's he's old you know Morgan Riley goes from a guy who looks like all world to a couple times like during the year he's he doesn't impact the game so to, that to me is like the real sort of sort of I think how you feel this is just my take how you feel about them defensively I think will suggest how far you think they'll go you buy that
3: I buy I, I'm buying all of that and the reason why I'm buying all of that is I just referenced Detroit's team. Again, that's arguably the second, third best team all time, Mm -hmm. including the Oilers in the 80s up to 1990 when they won their last cup and the great Montreal Canadiens teams as well. That Detroit Red Wing team, guys, it was lethal. I'm telling you, playing, they were lethal. But here's the best part. Look at who the defense was. Look at, to your point, look at the defense, right? Now you look at Colorado when Colorado won the cup two years ago. Bowen Byram. Yeah. But well, and even Vegas them. last
0: year, Kevin. Vegas. Even ve- last ve- year. You know, you know, Vegas and so, so Rich- Richard's point is so valid. Big time. Is, is you, you know, th- this is going to require a commitment, not just from the defense to play defense. This is going to require a commitment from the forwards to be difference makers. Of because r- unless Brad is able to go out and make some sort of magnificent trade uh, and get a stud, because I don't think they have a stud. See? You know, Morgan, Morgan Riley is a really good defensive, yeah, but yes. he ain't no he ain't no stud.
3: Well, and you guys mentioned Boston earlier. I remember literally breaking the Hampus Lindholm trade behind a building, and I'm I know we saw like,
0: half your face again. It was on an the was.
3: You saw an eighth of that, <laughs> <laughs> an eighth of my forehead. But here's the reason why I say that: when 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 that news came down. I'm thinking to myself, Anaheim's had so many good defensemen. Yeah. This guy's so good. I didn't know he was this good, but he's really good. Yeah. And when Boston, who already had McAvoy, I can go on and on. When Boston traded for him, I'm like, what? It's just like when Colorado got Devante's from the Islanders for two second round picks, when you all I mean. Look at look at look at Tampa's D. Remember when they got Ryan McDonough? Everybody's like, what? Tampa Bay got Ryan McDonough? So, so I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think the Leafs have done an outstanding job, especially of drafting and developing some of their forward talent. But there's been a gap between their forward talent, which is here, and we know a lot of it is all world. Mm-hmm. Then the defense outside of Morgan Riley that's drafted and def- and, and developed, and then their goaltending that's drafted and developed. And the the biggest challenge I have with that, guys, and you'll hear me say this every time, I'm a product of the system there. Just go down Weston Road, get to Lambton Arena, go to George Bell Arena, go to St. Mike's, go to Chestwood. These players are there. They're in their backyard. They have the best competitive advantage in the world. You're in the city that has the most arenas in the world. Plus, the OHL is going up and down the 401 and going north and south. Plus, you've got Tier 2 Jr., so I really think they need to improve their defense. And there's so many players. Look at all the defensemen that come out of Toronto area. Look, forget players and whatever. We don't really produce that many goalies. But I just feel like there's that's an area of their team that's just been kind of cobbled a little bit. Yeah. It's been kind of cobbled together. It hasn't necessarily been the point of emphasis that it needs and it should be.
0: Well, how 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 ironic is it that and we and Kyle Dubas isn't here anymore, and and sure. he decided to build on the big four, with with Nylander, Tavares, and Matthews and Marner, uh, and then he goes and gets a new job in in Pittsburgh, and the first thing he does is go gets an elite defenseman, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> and he That's now good. his he, he had handcuffed himself so badly in Toronto with his cap that he couldn't have done what he did in Pittsburgh, but you know elite defenseman. They're the cornerstones of these teams in the end that win Stanley Cups. Um, I, I'm not sure Eric Carlson's the answer in Pittsburgh, but it's certainly going to give Sid and, and, and Gino a chance to win one more before they, uh, or at least get to the playoffs again.
3: Yeah, there's no question about that. Like Washington, Washington, look at John Carlson. If, he, he, if, if he's healthy. If yeah. he's healthy. John Carlson is a difference maker coming out of American kid, played in London just at the 4-1, two hours east. Like, John Carlson is a stud. All minutes, all situations. And guys, again, for every single Stanley Cup, I've literally worked 15 of them and been on a team that's played in one. 16 Cups, I see the same theme. And now there's some, you know, there's some unique spices in every team's recipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, if you guys know this all too. Look at Chicago. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Duncan Keith, two Norris. Brent Seabrook, modern day, kind of. Somewhat candanical, but not as physical in terms of fighting. Johnny Oduya, Nick Drummelson. We could go down the list. Look at those teams. Yeah. Every year it's the same theme. So to me, when I look at the Leafs, I like that they've added more more jam. I like to see the acquisitions, you know, that are going to bring that to the table. But you're right. The question mark for me still is, at the end of the day, is can the blue line get you 16 wins in the hardest? Tournament in all of pro sports. I
0: do want that. to get to I do want to get to Bedard, but in, in 10 seconds, yeah. would it surprise you that if Joseph Wall is the playoff starter for the Toronto Maple Leafs in goal?
3: Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I
0: think that that again, another uh, another weakness. wouldn't surprise me. I yeah.
3: liked him since I liked him since he was in school. I liked him at college hockey. Yeah. Uh, Boston College and I liked him overall juniors. I think yeah. he's a good goalie.
0: All right, Connor Bedard, you talked about the Blackhawks. They've had to do the major rebuild. Um, they have surrounded him with veterans, like you talked about, Nick Fellino, Corey Perry, who, by the mm-hmm. way, is going to be on the show next week.
3: That's a great get. Uh, Tell Paris um, I said hi. I'm a big Paris guy.
0: And uh, and and Taylor Hall, who has lived the life of a first mm-hmm. overall pick. Correct. Um, what's our expectation of Bedard, and what's the expectation for that franchise?
3: I think, interestingly enough, knowing Luke since I was young and having so much respect for Luke Richardson, their coach. He's going to try to impress upon these guys, learning, especially for Bedard, but just as a group, learning the NHL game, the NHL way, doing NHL details, which is amazing. The one challenge with that is you're still going to have to have some latitude to be able to play, some latitude to be able to make some mistakes. And for, if we're using Connor Bedard as the example, not the only but in Connor Bedard's case, he'll learn that, hey, that maybe that was one play too many, the odd time. Hey, maybe that was a forced play uh, at that offensive blue line. Why? Uh, that happens to be Kale McCarr and Devontae's, and that happens to be Nate McKinnon going the other way now, screaming for a breakaway. Well, he'll learn that. But I think there needs to be some latitude for that, um, for him and the younger players in their growth. But here's one thing I'm going to tell you guys about Connor Bedard I spoke to him at the NHL draft in Nashville. We had him on the set. I've spoken to a lot of people that know him well. I've spoken to a lot of those guys in Chicago. Every single person that I've spoken to not only raves about his skill, but his maturity and how hungry he is to play and how dedicated he is to the game. And those are things that you can't fake. You certainly can't fake those at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And everybody that I've spoken to so far has raved about those qualities with him. And those are huge. He, he, listen, he even went us so far, and I'm going to paraphrase here to maintain relationships. Can you, can can you guys please just like limit a lot of the individual stuff here, please? I I really just want to play and be a part of the team. I, I know I'm, I know where I was drafted, but can you just please quiet that down? That's what he and his representatives communicated to the Blackhawks. So, I, I'm i very intrigued to see how they look this year because I don't really think there's any pressure for them to be good. But I'm very excited to watch him and to see how he looks and some of the other young players in their group because they have some other good young players too.
0: Uh, how do you view success for the Blackhawks this year then?
3: Be competitive in a sense where you're not blown out 7-2 just because you're trying to make offensive plays. You want to make offensive plays, but maybe you lose that game 4-2 and the fourth goal is an empty netter. Because one of the challenges with the losing is in a weird way, the compound effect of losing in a different way is almost more impactful for the wrong reasons than the compound effect of winning. And it could really deter a lot of people it could bring out a lot of the worst qualities in people it could bring out a lot of self-doubt and and negativity and animosity so to me if they're you, you hey you go into colorado you play well your peter Mrazek plays well whoever's in the net you lose 4-2 you put up a good game okay you go into vegas on the road the guys are mature nobody goes out too long blah 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 you happen to lose one five three to vegas but you play well okay I think that's that's gonna. Those are kind of the levels of expectations that I would have for this group, for it to be deemed successful this year.
0: You know, the 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 interesting thing for me about the Blackhawks is that you know, and it wasn't this group. It wasn't Kyle Davidson. It was Stan Bowman who Mm -hmm. made an honest effort to go out and find a an elite defenseman, an anchor on the back, yeah, and and pay him a lot of money and Seth Jones, yeah, and. It really hasn't worked at all. It has not worked. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I it, he's, he's, he's put himself in a really tough spot. No doubt. Seth, Seth has. And, and this year he can probably regain a lot of that credibility if he plays a simpler game as well. And that's an important part of the Blackhawks to the future. Don't you think?
3: That's massive. Cause if he's your guy and he's playing, you know, upwards of 25 minutes a night, he can skate the way he does. He can shoot a puck. He's long. He's rangy. He's been an all-star numerous times. That's kind of what you're expecting. And that's what you're paying for. And by the, oh, by the way, he's now, okay. Again, that's a Jack Eichel matchup. Okay. That's that's a Jordan Kyrie, Robert Thomas matchup in St. Louis. That's their dynamic offensive players. That's an Elias Pedersen matchup. That's a Connor McDavid, Leon Freisaitl matchup. Ryan Nugent Hopkins matchup. By the way, and if we're paying we're paying uh, Seth what we're paying him if you're the Blackhawks, we've seen him do it before, which is why we signed him. We're paying him that. We're expecting at least 85% of what Seth Jones can bring to the table.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I understand he's not on, on a team that's a contending team, et cetera. But at least 85%, he's capable of so much more. Uh, the last couple of years watching him play, he's really been a shell of himself in terms of what he's capable of when I've seen him on his a game and how how impactful he can be he needs to regain that as soon as possible because you're right he has put himself in a tough spot
1: last one for me this is and since you're broadcasting in the u.s i think you had have some pretty interesting insight into this um you know obviously whether it's espn or warner brothers discovery or nbc before there's you there's there's always value to put big american teams on air because you get the viewership benefit of that you don't get the viewership benefit if you put the maple leafs on or the flames on or edmonton because those markets don't count in the us but here's the but but if you have great players in edmonton there is an argument to make let's introduce these players to the american audience sure. so that if they do get to the stanley cup or if they get into the postseason the audience knows that. I wonder, just for your second, I know you don't program, Kevin, but mm-hmm. have you sort of ever thought about just the fact that, like, you know, what is the right mix of putting the Canadian teams on in America, knowing that you're not, you might not get the, the biggest viewership number as opposed to, like, Chicago-Philly, but I do think in some ways you owe it to your audience to introduce them to players, and particularly, I'm going to use the Oilers as an example, the best player in the league is in Edmonton. And, yeah. like, I feel like you sort of owe it, I think, to the American audience to showcase that guy, even if you got to take a little bit of a haircut on the viewership because you don't get, um, you know, you don't get the Edmonton market that counts for your numbers.
3: I couldn't agree more. I, I think um, I know this upcoming season on ESPN we're going to have. I think the Leafs in Edmonton are the highest or broadcasted teams. Or that I'll have the most games on ESPN's package this upcoming season, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Now, again, not all of those are gonna be on linear. Not right. all of those on are ESPN gonna be plus, right. Not well. all those are gonna be on ABC, ESPN, ESPN 2, the deuce. Um, a lot will also be on ESPN Plus. But I could tell you this. At the end of the day, with the game being this dynamic, with it being this high skilled, with it being this creative, as a pure sports fan. Me, I want to see the best of the best. When I'm watching Patrick Mahomes, I'm not thinking, okay, well, his dad pitched in MLB, which is amazing. He grew up here. He didn't grow up there. He played there. He didn't, whatever. I want to watch Patrick Mahomes play. Same thing down the turnpike. I want to see Jalen Hurts play. I want to see uh, Travis Kelsey play. Rob Gronkowski in his day, obviously Tom Brady. Point is, give me more of the best. Hmm. Give us more of the best. We want to see the best. And quite frankly, in a lot of these instances, because of the uptick of American-born players, because the fact that we're having this many young, impactful American-born players, listen, if he's from Wisconsin, he's from Wisconsin. Does it matter that he's playing for Montreal? Does it really matter if it's Austin Matthews from Arizona and he's playing for the Leafs? And if it just happens to be a, a, a Canadian team? To me, I just want to see more of the best. And I think fans deserve to see more of the best of the best that's really where it should be at that should be the emphasis because i got news for you and and you guys know this so well being as you know accomplished and as you are on this side of the business the metrics are going to be the metrics in terms of what they tell you on the linear and what your numbers are but how about the buzz that you're getting on digital what's the buzz that you're getting on social Mm -hmm. as well in it because those augment the linear right so maybe you're gonna say well man if we had if we had pittsburgh and we had boston all right we probably would have gotten i don't know two million viewers on linear on that abc game well guess what you might have had the leafs original six with austin matthews and company and you might have had boston okay you got 1.6 million under linear but what about the buzz of the of the Austin Matthews hat trick on social? What about the buzz? How many impressions did you get? How many views did you get in addition to that? Because as you guys know, the model is changing from it only being linear and these things kind of being siloed with your digital and social to a world where it's kind of uh, transmedial and it's, yeah. it's all kind of fused. So it, for me, I just want to see the best of the best and I would have the best of the best on as much as possible
0: well the big challenge is and i I can speak from experience of this from my time at the nhl and uh, is that we tried to convince the networks that they better you better start to invest in teams that are going to be in the stanley cup semifinals and final right um and it was it was really hard to convince the networks at the time that you know that they kept wanting to go to detroit good numbers they kept wanting to go to, to st louis good numbers and then the Stanley Cup final was Carolina Edmonton. But, you know, okay. so and and so how how did you convince uh, the the American viewer particularly? You had to convince Canadian viewers too, by the way. How do you convince the American viewer that even though you've said the Red Wings, the Rangers, the Bruins, the Flyers are the best teams in hockey all season long, and you're going to watch Carolina Edmonton in the Stanley Cup final, you got a problem, and that's. That's the issue this league has always had with its partners. And I would say both TNT and ESPN have done a better job because they have more airtime to use. They have done a better job of creating an introduction to non-traditional markets. Edmonton's a non-traditional market for the American viewer.
3: Okay, let me piggyback your point. That's a great point. Let me piggyback that. Two points I'm gonna make, but yours first. Number one, during the playoffs, we're up in Edmonton. Okay. So for ESPN. So it was John Buchagrasse, uh, Callie, Rag Callan, and myself. I gotta tell you, and I may have told you this. I couldn't believe Edmonton. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been going to Edmonton since 94, 95, 96 actually, rather. I got to Edmonton, I'm like, is this a new arena? <laughs> Is this the setup?
0: Yeah,
3: it's a hey, that's a world class, top tier, one of the best in the world setups, hands down. And I walked in there and I talked to Bob Stauffer. I was like, stuff, this isn't Rexall slash Northlands calls to you. This is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This is crazy." Not to mention, then you're going out and they happen to be playing L.A. But then, not to mention, then you've got Connor, Leon, Nugent Hopkins, blah blah blah. The fans were bonkers. But, but, but that's
0: it. But The but, atmosphere that,
3: was incredible.
0: So, so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's almost immaterial to try to sell the game in the US if you haven't introduced the whole concept for the whole regular season. No question. And that's the and that's the patience that you know that and it does take patience. That's the patience that the programmers in the United States need to have. It's easy to have when you have Connor McDavid there. It's That's easier true. to have when you have Austin Matthews in Toronto. Could you? So, so there is a chance. I'm not sure what what it is, and I, you know, I I'm not sure what Bet Rivers odds would give me. But there's a chance Toronto and Edmonton in the Stanley Cup final.
3: Sure.
0: Try to sell that one on ABC. But, it's going <laughs> to be hard. But but the right problem. Richard.
1: It'd be hard. Yeah. I mean, listen, like visually it'd be a phenomenal series but sure. the re- the reality is i think if you put the truth serum to the nhl office they would not be happy with that because you're not getting any american television market you know it gets again like it's a longer discussion than we have here because the money's already paid in some way that the, the networks have already paid for it but the real question that sort of we've been discussing is um is a short-term loss, let's say, in advertising worth the long term benefit of the buzz that you would get for that. And I'm with Kevin, but that's very easy for me to say in my seat, because it's not my butt that's being counted on for the advertising revenue. But I I like the investment in stars, like Kevin said. And I think that ultimately is great for the league. It builds the league up bigger. But if you if I think if you put Gary Bettman on truth serum, he would want Chicago versus Chicago every year. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah I would, would, would You're probably right. By the way, here's the other key thing, Kevin, we need to something. do to create more awareness. Yeah. We need Taylor Swift to date a Hawks exactly. Forget Exactly. Ta- forget about this Travis Kelsey guy. We need listen, Taylor Swift to become a Ranger fan.
3: Listen, I was just thinking this, and this is, the, it's so funny you said the, and you know, because you lived here as well. Here's the thing I'll, I'm going to go to the garden Thursday night. I'm on NHL Network. I'll go straight to the garden after. The thing is at Madison Square Garden and we know it's New York. I know I I could see it out the window. I I know, but every single game, whether there's a, a Canadian team, Australian team, Sri Lankan team, Russian, it doesn't matter. Every single game at Madison Square Garden, because it's New York, the stars come out. Sure. Every game, you know, you know, every game on the big board, it's so-and-so, it's so-and-so. Okay, we see alumni appearance. We need you to go with this box. It's so-and-so, it's so-and-so. Every single game for the Rangers, right? And to your point, if you were able to get somebody like Taylor Swift, it <laughs> We got to get super, a date in the hockey player. Exactly. It would supercharge as it is for the <laughs> NFL, which is already a UFO in terms of <laughs> its, its reach and its audience, right? Uh, but here, here's my one thing that I come back to, though, getting back to our previous point, boys is at the end of the day people want moments you want to see moments and maybe from a, from a broadcasting perspective i can just tell you as a layman that doesn't have any influence in these decisions there's so many things i've been asking for over my time as a broadcaster hey can we do more of this hey can we do more of that hey can we yeah. get this hey guys can we try this hey can we get a camera hey can we do whatever it finally got me so upset from a from a goalie player mentality, it got me so upset to where I'm like, I'm just gonna do some of this myself, literally. And that's basically when you yeah. asked me about the breaking news, that's kind of yeah, what right. happened.
0: You got to learn not to just shoot your forehead. So that's <laughs> it. Hey, uh, before we let you go, um, yeah. uh, you're a, you're always a busy guy. How have and this is a completely personal question. It's got nothing ask to do me with anything, the NHL. Man. You know that. Um, ask me anything. How have you been able to balance? Um, your, your workload at NHL network, ESPN, all the other stuff you do with being a dad.
3: Man, I'll tell you what it's, it's, it's literally the best kind of earned privilege in the world. It is, it's so powerful. It's, it's just so all consuming and I love it. We love it. I'll tell you what's hard is literally just my wife, Meg and I here in Jersey slash Florida Everybody else is in Toronto yeah. or Barbados or Calgary, BC or Whitehorse. It's just us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So had not for her, uh, and we have a we have an awesome babysitter, um, a Brazilian young lady named Khadija, who's a student. She's done an awesome job. So we're very lucky, but we don't have that extended that my sister and them have at home. Right. My parents, or next sister has up in Calgary. It's been a lot. It's, and, and I can yeah. tell you, I don't know. There's no way I don't think being as hyper dialed in as I was, am, but as a goalie, I don't think I could have done this when I was playing. I don't think but do you think, but, but do I you think it's changed your attitude
0: playing. about the business, So,
3: Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. Because time, it's it's also the value of time and quality time. Because you know, for us as a business, we get into the wood chipper and, and the sausage grinder in the season. And we're like, go, 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 go. It doesn't matter, go, 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 go. Yeah. Okay, I'll go on here, we'll do this, we'll do that. You show up at this rink, pregame skate, you're here. We, we all do it. We've been in business a long time. It's just how we're wired. But now in a lot of ways, I'm like, hold on a second. I actually have to carve out some us time in this as well. I can't just necessarily do that all the time. Yes, I know the network wants me to. Yes, ESPN, and yes, in a lot of ways, but these are moments and there's mm-hmm. time that you can never re- recapture. So the value of time in carving some of that out for us is, uh, is very, very important. Let me, let me give you that. So you know how you have the player media tours, right? Yep. So you have the player media tours in Vegas again this year. So some of our folks from ESPN, they're like, hey, man, we need you to go. We need you to go. I'm like, guys, I love you. I'll see you when the puck drops. Yeah. Like I, I, I literally, I'm going to see a 98-year-old great-grandfather in olds. Then we're going to Lacombe to see the other grandfather who's in the hospital. Then we're back in Calgary. Then we're in Black Falls. Then we're in wherever. We're in Toronto. Then we're in Barbados with my family. In Toronto with my family. So you have to carve that time out. That's one of the things I've learned.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, we appreciate the time you gave us today.
3: Anytime, guys. So, you guys know it. No, Any just, Anytime.
0: Just don't shoot your forehead. That's all. Okay? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's Kevin Weeks.
3: <laughs> oh, Guys, thank you so much, man. Uh, Richard, it was great to finally meet you. You do awesome stuff. So it was great to finally meet you. Same. Uh, Godfather, great stuff. Thanks for having me on. And all the best wishes to Bobcat and his recovery, too.
0: Kevin Weeks of ESPN and the NHL Network. Let's drop the puck. Let's the Bobcat on podcast continues after this with Richard. Thanks to Kevin Weeks for coming on, Richard. You know, the, the question you were asked about, you know, the, the Oilers and the Maple Leafs and, you know, the Canadianization of U.S. network television. I think the Oilers are on 18 times between the two. Uh, simply because of Connor and Leon being so good, but it's a real dilemma. And if you're a, if you're a guy in the corner office in Bristol or in Atlanta, you've got to wonder: Can you afford the
1: short-term pain for the long-term gain? It's it's interesting, John. It's the only sport of the major sports where that dilemma exists. Because if it's there's no dilemma in the NFL in basketball, it's just the Raptors and they're not in contention. At well, time. there's no
0: dilemma there. They just get shoveled to the afternoon.
1: Correct. Right. And in baseball, it's the same with the blue Jays. So they, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll get the afternoon or the, the, the time slot that's not the most dependent on television, but the NHL, like it's a real discussion point, as you know, having worked in the league and um, and working at the highest levels of Canadian television is it's, you know, you want to promote these teams. At the same time, there's real financial interest for the U.S. networks. There's not an easy answer, but as I told Kevin, I'm of the belief that stars ultimately draw wherever they are, and I would push Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Austin Matthews as much as I could. I think eventually the audience will gravitate to stars regardless of where they're playing. And
0: across this country, You Cole Caulfield in Montreal, Brady Kachuk in Ottawa. Uh, you know there are some great players in Winnipeg like Josh Morrissey uh, and then Elias Pettersson and and JT Miller in Vancouver there are some big names that play in Canada that uh, can make a difference at least for a Canadian market the challenge is will they make a difference when we're trying to sell the game south of the border it's an it's actually a great topic it's almost a a discussion uh, for for a whole show unto itself if we if we get the right guys. So yeah, I'll talk to the producer and maybe get that. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow, Richard. NFL tomorrow, right?
1: Damian Woody is the scheduled guest. Should be good.
0: Okay, so Damian Woody and we'll talk about the National Football League. And if the Jets aren't bad, then the Giants are worse. Oh my <laughs> goodness gracious! This is the McCown Podcast. Talk to you tomorrow.